It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look at the five and ten It's glistening once again With candy canes and silver lanes that glow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store But the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be on your own front Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. I gotta say, after listening to last week's show back, it is beginning to sound a lot like Christmas, isn't it Robbo? It is very much like Christmas. I went over to my in-laws place last night for the annual Christmas street party and had myself a fabulous time. And you know what's really exciting about this time of the year, Robbo? What would that be besides presents and family and all the good stuff that comes with Christmas? One word. Darts, of course. (laughs) How could I forget? Yes, it's Christmas time, as they say around the world, and it is World Championship Darts time. I will be locked (laughs) on the television for the next four to six weeks watching the darts. I forgot you were into that. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, there you go. Hey, Santa. Merry Christmas. To dance with Father Christmas. The Mojo Radio Show. Speaking of Christmas, folks, just a little bit of a promo for you. But next week on the show is, I call her a force of nature, one of the most beautiful ladies on the planet. Her name is Patria King, who runs Quest for Life. And Patria is coming on specifically to talk about the true essence of Christmas and put us in the Christmas mood. The emotions, the feelings, the giving... What should we really be focused on for Christmas? And I've got to say, having spoken to Patria already, it is going to be a beautiful show. And then out the back of that, we'll have a little break and we're going to rock into January 2017. We are going to do Robbo's Ideas. We've already got some guests lined up. We're going to do Body, Mind, Soul and Business. Four weeks of January to get your mojo working for 2017. Lots of good stuff coming up, mate. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And next week will be our sort of stab at a Christmas special, really, won't it? It will. And I think... uh, We've got the right guest. I think the, the production, the way you're making it sound, it's uh, it's starting to feel a lot like Christmas. The Mojo Radio Show. Now, many of us will have big mountains to climb in 2017, and that is my segue into our special guest this week, all the way from Sweden. Geez, you worked hard for that one. <laughs> I did. I don't think we've had a true adventurer on the show, right. and we certainly have never had a mountain climber on the show. And this is a lady who has just summited Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world. She's also done numerous trips up Mount Kilimanjaro, and... She has a dream, a goal, a vision, a wish to climb all of the tallest peaks on all of the continents around the world. And just an incredible, inspiring lady. I heard Maria Gromberg on a show with another presenter. Loved it, wrote to Maria and found her in between expeditions. And we have her on the line, Maria Gromberg. Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, 
Where have we found you? Where are you based these days? I'm in Sweden. Um, I was born and raised in Sweden. I'm Swedish. Um, oh. I was born and raised quite close to the to the to the border to Norway, about a few hours from there. Um, yeah. But right now, for the last nine years, I've been like my base camp here in Sweden has been about one and a half hour from Stockholm, and that's where I'm I'm sitting today. You've you've got an incredible backstory, which we'll get to. But when somebody says to you, Maria, what do you do? What do you say? <laughs> Uh, I, I usually nowadays I say that I'm adventure. I'm an, an adventure athlete and a speaker because um, that's what I do mostly nowadays. But you know, I have I have my own company and I do so so many different kinds of work. I'm a I'm a writer. I I you know I'm a amateur photographer. I'm a speaker and mountaineer and you know athlete and. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of different jobs. Just on that, your photography on your website and your Instagram account is absolutely beautiful. Is that stuff that you do for yourself? Is that your all your work? Yeah, most of it is. Uh, wow. And thank you so much for that. That really um, it makes me very happy to hear that. Um, most of it is me, yeah. Sometimes uh, when I'm at home in Sweden, I have uh, a few friends with me sometimes that can take some some photographs. Uh, but usually, uh, because the expeditions that I'm on are very, you know, they cost a lot of money to make that happen. So, uh, it, it tends to not be enough. The budget tends not to be enough to bring a photographer or, you know, a, a, a filmmaker with me. So, yeah. We were talking before we started recording, Maria, just take Robbo and I through the mountains that you have climbed. Well, um, a few of the mountains, um, my, my love for the mountains and for climbing started out in Tanzania. Um, I had a childhood dream for such a long time um, that uh, I wanted to, you know, as, as many kids, I think, grow up with a, uh, with a dream to be able to make a difference um, somehow. So I had a dream of volunteering in Africa and moved there and worked there as a volunteer and happened just, um, impulsively climb Mount Kilimanjaro, uh, which is the highest mountain in Africa. Just on a whim. Uh, yeah, just on a whim. <laughs> actually, yeah, that's, uh, that's actually a very accurate way to put it because wow. it was, uh, I, I got sick by, uh, with, um, uh, malaria and typhoid fever and a blood infection. So I was um, admitted into the hospital and, uh, you know, fear is my biggest hobby. I love uh, studying fear and I love, I'm, I'm such a nerd when it comes to fear because I think it's such a, such an interesting emotion that we have uh, and it either can make us, you know, thrive and do amazing things, or it can, you know, shut a life down completely. Um, and how we cope with our fears is the key to what we do. So um, I have always had a fear of missing out. Uh, I've, you know, I've, you know, it's as many people say or think, you know, I don't want to be 80 years old and, you know, think what if, what if I did that? Or how would it be to, to, uh, to run, I don't know, 100 miles or see the top of the world, you know, what would that be like? And so I was in this hospital and 
that thought kind of hit me that, you know, what would it be to climb a mountain? I've been living at the foot of this mountain for half a year and I haven't climbed it. And, and what if I never come back here? What if I can never climb this mountain because I didn't take it, you know, take the chance when I had it. So I climbed the mountain and I was, you know, it was, it was this most intense and amazing feeling uh, that I've ever felt. Um, and after that, I continued, I climbed Kilimanjaro four more times, started guiding there, taking other people on adventures, which I love. Um, and then I went to Nepal to be close to Everest, uh, before climbing Everest. And cause I wanted to see her, I wanted to see him on Everest and to kind of make that, that dream become more real to me. So I went there to climb four different peaks and then I, I climbed more in Sweden. I, I flew to Kyrgyzstan and climbed there. And, um, so it, it's been a number of peaks now, but there's, you know, for every peak you climb, uh, you just you just get to know that there's so more so so much more peaks to climb. It's probably a silly question, but what's more rewarding, climbing to the top, getting to the top yourself, or actually physically helping someone get to the top? I think it, it's it's you feel this sense of accomplishment and and a sense of reward. Um, those feelings are very different um, from from one another because climbing myself. Uh, you know, there's so much that I have gone through, such a kind of inner adventure that I've gone through with challenges and all that, uh, to be able to get there. And usually when I climb myself, it's higher risk, it's higher mountains, it's a longer period of time. Uh, so it's different challenges and, and uh, different kind of momentum. And I, I love that because when I climb myself, I really push myself to the limits um, and a lot of interesting stuff happens when you do that. Um, but when I climb with other people or when I guide, um, you know, I love to see that when people expand and, uh, how, you know, that you never going to be the same when you get out of here, you're not going to yeah, be yeah. the same person. Are you a hard taskmaster? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, I love to see people struggle. Um, because I know that uh, when I see someone struggle, that's when I know for sure, you know, with certainty that something is happening right now. Um, and I've had a number of, of, of climbers, of participants on Kilimanjaro, for instance, that I've actually, you know, I put my hands on their backs and I pushed them the last few hours because I, you know, I, I'm, I so, I, I want them to get there so much because I know how it feels when you get there. Uh, so I'm, I really love working with people that way. Maria, you spoke about Mount Everest and you said you wanted to see her. Have you always been a person who visualizes their dreams or visualizes their goal? Yeah, I've, um, I think I had a, a big imagination when I was a kid. Um, I grew up in a, in a small place. We were just about 300 people, uh, in the village. Uh, it's a mining village. We had a lot of, of mining going on in that village. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, uh, tunnels and things. And I just love going out and exploring. And I don't know if you guys know MacGyver. The TV show? Yeah, the TV show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was my biggest idol. 
uh, when I was growing up because I loved his sense of, of curiosity and his way of always, you know, uh, being faced with a challenge. And he always, you know, he, he always focused on the opportunities and the solutions and, you know, I, and I was, I loved him. I had a small crush on him as well. I'm not going <laughs> to lie about that. But he was, I was running around and imagining this. I just had a sense that the world was so much bigger than I could grasp at the moment. But I, I was just so eager to get out and experience uh, everything. So I, I think I've always um, had... A very big imagination, and I think that has helped me a lot with visualizing big goals and big dreams, because I can very easily go into my brain and you know just imagine oh, what would that be, and actually go into into the feeling and actually imagining something and actually feeling it. What would that be like? Um, and when I've gone that far, you know, I, I just have to go there physically as well. What's your process for goal setting? Maria? Well, first of all, I have to ask myself if I, if I really want to do this and why. Because um, asking myself why I want to do something uh, forces me to go to the core that it's actually something meaningful that I'm doing. Because uh, I know if I set a big goal or chasing a big dream, it's gonna, you know, you have to put that emotional seatbelt on. Because you know that it's going to be very turbulent, you know, it's not going to be easy. Uh, so I have to make sure with, with myself to check that off the list that why do I want to do this? Because I will have to remind myself so many times during that way. Um, so I start with why, why I want to do it. But then I have to sit down with myself and, and make it concrete. Uh, like, okay, do I have to learn something new and, and how much time with will this take and not do I have the resources but what do I have uh, to have um, uh, when it comes to resources what does it take uh, in terms of money in terms of time in terms of effort do I have to have a team around me and and which people will that be and then I have to set a preliminary um, deadline when will when will I be ready to do this and then, you know, the roller coaster just sets off. It's a lot of, of fears and a lot of, of challenges. And, you know, um, preparing for my Everest, I was in fetal position, you know, so many times. Asking myself, you know, what the F am I, you know, what am I doing? And how did I even, you know, get this idea? And, Am I even that kind of person who will do this, you know, who can cope with this? Will this be a massive failure? And I've said for six years to everyone around me that I'm going to do this. Um, so yeah, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, but I think um, to, to be very concrete and then you just have to commit very, you know, commit all of you to that project. What I've seen about Mount Everest is that the weather uh, the terrain, the conditions can be absolutely brutal. And there is a lot of sitting around, which we'll talk about in a second. The question I've always wondered, in that situation, Maria, when you are faced with the most brutal conditions, what keeps you going? Like, what's the dialogue that goes through your head that keeps you going when you just 
you th- you think it's all done. You think it's okay. This is all over now. Can you remember a moment where you went through that and the dialogue you used in your mind to keep yourself going? Yeah, climbing mountains is a lot of pain. Uh, it's a lot of patience and persistence, and again, commitment and. Knowing from the beginning why you do it will help you a lot when, you know, the tough bits uh, comes to haunt you when you're on the mountain. It's very rare that, you know, the physical part of you can't uh, deal with the situation. It's the mental part of you that can't deal with the physical part that is it's painful. Um, so the week before, just one week before the first summit attempt, I got sick, uh, and I, I got this massive um, infection in my airway. So I, I had a very tough time to breathe. Um, so I had to go all the way back down to base camp uh, to the route, and then hire a, a rescue jeep for uh, for was it two thousand dollars, and go even further down to the closest hospital. Um, and when I was going down, I knew that all the climbers were actually going up. Um, and that moment I think was maybe the most challenging days of my life. Cause I know, I, I knew that, um, I had to keep my stress level down. Otherwise my body couldn't cope. It wouldn't be able to recover fast enough to get me up there in just one time. Um, so that was the most challenging part where you have to, uh, I don't know how to put it. You have to, it, it's uh, in Bali in a surf surf camp, just before you go to the hostel, there's a sign and on the sign it, it says, don't expect only experience. Um, and that's what I thought all of those days is don't expect it for for your body not to cope or not to be able to recover or not be able to do this just because you're sick right now you know getting sick wasn't the plan and it's not good but you have to be and my sherpa said that to me as well he said just maria be happy be happy and i was like how the fuck am i supposed to be happy i'm sick <laughs> i'm supposed to be at the peak of my life climbing the highest peak in the world in one week and I told myself and everybody else uh, before Everest that if you get sick on a mountain, you're done. It's over. Just go down. It's done. Because in high altitude, your body can't recover. It can't get well because it's deteriorating uh, by the minute. Um, but for some reason, I managed to be happy. I managed to, to you know, keep calm and to believe in what my body could do and not what I expected from it to do or not to do. And that was the toughest thing I've ever done. But that summit, the week after, um, when I eventually went back and came over 7,000 meters again and closing in on 8,000 meters, and then when it came to the summit attempt, I was stronger than ever, which is it's still blowing my mind. I don't know how that came about at all. <laughs> so what's what's an example of a mental training exercise for you? So it's a given day, your Instagram account and your website has photos of you doing gym workouts and, and training, which is, I, I, and I kind of understand that. 
I'm curious on the sorts of things that our listeners could take away and say, I want to deliver a, a bit of mental performance. Are there particular exercises that you can share that we would take away and attempt ourselves? I think the most uh, powerful tool that we have is our breath, our breathing. Uh, and it's a tool that you have with you, you know, wherever you go, it's with you. You don't have to pack it or you won't forget it. Um, it's always with you. And um, a lot of, of tapping into our breathing helps us to to do so many things, really. But it, it helps us to lower our stress levels and to focus and to make our bodies more basic. Um, it actually affects the pH level in our bodies. And um, it... it also helps us to get us centered and focused and also also it's very challenging because because for many people just sitting down and breathing is very challenging because uh we don't do that normally uh we're so used to get being in high tempo and everything's supposed to happen very fast and we for many people it's been months or years or decades since they sat down with themselves and actually felt how it's feeling to be them. How does it feel to just be with you? And I think it's important because it's it's also building up and giving you a sense of what relationship do you have with yourself? And that is a very, for me, a very, very essential and important question because the relationship that you have with yourself, uh, everything around you reflects that what kind of relationship you have with yourself. Um, So being bold enough to sit down and just starting to breathe for about five minutes every day, it's it's the best start to mental training, I would say. And for some people, they have to be in silence. And for some people, they, you know, like to listen to some music or something. It's, It's easier to tune out the outer world. Um, it's different for everybody, but just to get that time, five minutes a day. And if you don't have five minutes, you don't have a life. So get those five minutes, start breathing and just feel how it feels to, and, and usually it's easy to focus on the breath, just following how it feels, breathing in through the nose and letting the lungs expand and then breathing out through the nose. And it's easy. It's it's also easier to be more present if you put your hands on your chest, so you actually feel when it's rising and and lowering. That's the basic. Um, other like quick mental uh, things that I do is I visualize. I love visualizing. Uh, it's the best way to trick your brain into doing something it doesn't want to do. Um, for instance, I'm 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 such a I have such a massive fear of heights. What? I Hang on, so you've climbed Kilimanjaro a number of times, you've done Everest, and you're telling me you've got a fear of heights? Yes, a massive fear <laughs> of heights. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm living like in my apartment right now. is on the fifth floor, and I walk out on, on my balcony every day just to stand there and work with my fear of heights. Um Meaning that I'm the perfect example that with mental training you can co- you can overcome quite about anything. So uh, after taking those five minutes of breathing, 
you go into another five, 10 minutes where you visualizing this, this situation where you're doing the thing that, yeah, that scares you and you see yourself doing it and being calm and having, being in control and just feeling that situation and seeing yourself doing it successfully and, you know, uh, calmly and, and all that. So you're training your mind to switch the negative to the positive. And sometimes I have to visualize it, you know, 200 times, a thousand times before I can do it. Did you see that guy that did a skydive without a parachute a couple of weeks ago? Did you see that? I did, yeah. <laughs> now, that's insane. But climbing mountains, I can understand that I don't. Uh, I wouldn't <laughs> do that myself. No. Uh, <laughs> I um, But I, I do understand why. Um because I have so many friends that have done thousands of, of skydives. And when you've done thousands of them, you have to, you know, keep stepping it up. You know, you get... What's you, the next rush? Yeah. Because yeah. your comfort zone keeps expanding and you have to do new stuff. Um, but as long as you're scared, I think it's okay to do it. Because if you're not scared anymore that's a sign that you shouldn't do it. Well, I think I'd be scared jumping without a parachute. I'm pretty sure of that. (laughs) (laughs) Marie, you've talked about visualizing a number of times. I'm always curious. It's like when you read a book and you visualize the character, then they bring a movie out and you go, actually, that's nothing like the character I visualized, the hero of 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 the book. When you got to the top of her, when you got to the top of Mount Everest and you stood there and went, I've done it. Did it match the picture that you had had in your mind of summiting Mount Everest? Um, no, it's mu- it was much better, <laughs> much better <laughs> in real life. <laughs> but I did, uh, I had two very big fears before going to Everest. And I did, besides, you know, the breathing exercises and visualizing and everything, I couldn't still get rid of the fears that was two things. There was not one number one, not being able to breathe. Um, you know, that something would happen and, you know, I would get an asthma attack or something, or just the fact that it's just one third of the oxygen on, you know, on sea level, which makes it a bit tough to breathe. Um, so that was a big fear of mine. And the second fear was to just, uh, kind of, you know, hit a wall because I've heard that so many times and I've seen it now as well so many times that your body, you know, it's, it's going so strong and it's really fighting to be surviving in a place where it's not supposed to be. And just with no kind of, um, you know, no signals, no warning, the resources is done. You have no energy left and it's like hitting a wall and you can't go another step. So I was, I was scared, you know, about finding out as well, where does my limit go? Because, of course, I didn't want to go to the limit because that means that I'm done. Um, So that was a big fear of mine. So I did a lot of hypnosis before going there. And in those sessions, I went to the top. That was the last session I did just a week before going. I went to the top of Mount Everest in my head and I stayed there. And feeling very safe and seeing how it all then, you know, it, it went very well and going down and, and just um, settling in being safe in that feeling of being safe at a very dangerous mountain. 
and I think that helped me a lot because when I went there, I heard so many people, you know, um, and it's a bit sad to hear that as well, although I understand it, you know, they can't enjoy the moments when they get to the summit because either they're very exhausted or, you know, sometimes there's a lot of people because we're trying to hit the same day, the, the best weather window day. Um, and I was up there alone with my Sherpa, uh, with no one else in sight, uh, because the last, the 24th of May was the last day anybody summited. So there were very, very few climbers on the mountain. So we were there by ourselves and I'm so grateful now. I was grateful then as well, but especially now afterwards that I can remember every single second of how that felt. Even this second my last step up there and I enjoyed it so fully. Um, and I don't think that I would have been able to enjoy it so much if I haven't prepared my mind, you know, uh, for that moment. Do you have a process for that, Maria? We, Robbo and I have been talking to a number of people, athletes and sleep experts and positive psychologists, all different sorts of people about, you hear about being in the moment, bringing yourself to the moment, appreciate what's happening right now. And different people have got different approaches to it. I, I'm curious, that last step that you said, I, was, I completely enjoyed the moment. I remember the last step. I was there. You seem to have very vivid recollections of it. Be it Everest, Kilimanjaro, or another adventure you're doing, or just being in the presence of a child, a baby, is there a process Maria goes through to bring yourself to the moment? Uh yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, again, just breathing uh, helps me a lot because uh, that helps me to bring myself to the moment, to my breathing. And when I'm aware and focused on my breathing, on my breath, then I can expand that focus to what's happening all around me. But in very tough situations, uh, being bold enough to be in the moment, I think you have to have both acceptance and gratitude. I think gratitude is the highway to happiness. Um, but I think accepting whatever it is, you know, however it is, if it's cold or, you know, it's, it's, it's real shitty moment, uh, whatever you're facing, if you can just accept what is, then you tend to move forward faster and more easily. And gratitude being just able to, being thankful for whatever is working, focusing on that. Because, you know, what a lot of people say, what you focus on is what's going to grow, what's going to, you know, expand. And it's, it's true. That's how the brain works. So if you can recognize that and actually implement it in the moment, um, but it's training, you know, it's, it's not magic. And me and all the people doing it, it, you know, we weren't born with it. It's being aware of and being interested in and curious enough about yourself. How are you working today? You know, how is your brain working? How fit is your brain? Because um, I think because my, I trained my brain so much that it didn't get in the way. I could just feel, I could just be there 
because my brain wasn't screaming, you know, this is tough, this is hard. Oh shit, I'm gonna have to go all the way back again, you know, this is gonna be hard. Because <laughs> uh, I got my brain out of the way, I could actually just, you know, enjoy it. Uh, it was, it is the dangerous part of the whole expedition is being on the summit because there's no help. Uh, you're such a long way beyond help. You know, there's no airborne rescue. No one can take you down from there. If something happens or, you know, you get to your limits when you're standing there, you're not going to leave the mountain. So there's a lot of things to be scared of, but bring your brain off the way and just enjoying it. I'm so thankful that I, that I was able to do that because that was the, the greatest moment of my life to, to feel that shift, that second when something goes from a dream to a reality, when it's done and you know it's done and you know that every effort you did through the past six years paid off and you're there. There's not another step that you have to make. And that's a magic moment. I think there's a, a new sign for the studio there, Robbo. Uh, gratitude is the highway to happiness. Gratitude, yeah. And we should put it up next to the one that says, life's tough, get a helmet. Or, not every day is a Doris Day, princess. <laughs> it's Christmas. Baby, please come home. I heard you say during an interview with our good friend Ryan Munsey, who does the Optimal Performance Show, the o o OPP. We had him on the show only a matter of weeks ago. We loved, we had a, a very long, long discussion because he was so damn good. Yeah. You said to Ryan that Everest was, was about who you needed to become as opposed to something that you had to do. Can you talk me through that? Yeah. Um, I love putting up goals and big dreams that, you know, that forces me to expand in every sense in order for, for me to actually being able to do it. Sometimes it can, for me, mean that I have to grow spiritually, uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, um, but I have to be better than I am to actually meet that goal uh, and that dream. So for me, I knew that climbing Mount Everest and doing that, meeting that big of a goal, 
I had to become a better version of myself. I had to become a new version and develop in such a big way um, qualities of my personality. I had to be, I had to, to expand my tendency of getting committed and I had to, to expand my sense of character and I had to be even more stubborn and I had to be, uh, expand my sense of certainty and my self-esteem and knowing that I could do this. And so I, I really had to, it was a, a six year long trip of that actually was more about growth, about expanding myself and working on myself every day to become that kind of person with that kind of character and that a person with that kind of courage that could go through all of this. So when you, when you put so much on the line and you're putting it on the line for six years to get there, I've interviewed people who've survived cancer, Maria, and people who have gotten through cancer quite often get depressed because they've gotten through this euphoria of surviving or going into remission. And then it's kind of, that's, that's been achieved, but everybody else goes, well, he or she's, they're fine now. They go back to their normal job, but you've got to stay at home to recover and you're left alone with your thoughts. I've heard of marathon runners finishing a marathon there's a euphoria of the day and even the day after, but then a week or so later they fall into depression because they've kind of put so much into a marathon. They finish and now it's kind of, well, what what next? When you came down from Everest, did you feel a sense of depression? And if you did, how did you manage that? As a very good, uh, good question. I, I think um, taking a part of those stories and learning from them prior to climbing Everest, I was very, um, I was very open to whatever, uh, I w- however I was going to feel after climbing Mount Everest. I was mentally prepared for anything that I would, you know, I said to myself before Everest that, you know, it's okay if I get depressed, it's okay if it feels empty. It's okay if I feel no emptiness at all, just happiness. Uh, again, not expecting and only experiencing. That was how I was priming myself after Everest. So I gave myself two weeks in Kathmandu after climbing Everest just to, to give myself that time to just process everything. And I think I went through all the emotion in the book uh, during those two weeks, I was, I was feeling, you know, frustrated and sad and happy and guilty. And, uh, we lost seven climbers this year. So I went through this sense of, of, of guilt, feeling happy when I knew that so many people were feeling, you know, um, going through a big tragedy in their lives. Um, I went through everything, but I had, um, I had so many amazing and fun goals and dreams that was waiting for me afterwards. Um, but still, I went through also the sadness of and the the resistance of moving on to those dreams as well towards them because it felt like I was, uh, you know, 
I was replacing Everest, that they were taking, you know, uh, the place of Everest. And it was, you go through a lot of emotions and I, I, I still go through every now and, then, and again, I, I go through, you know, moments of sadness and moments of, of emptiness, but they're very, very short. Um, because again, I still, I, you know, I, I do my mental training three times a day still. And cause I knew that I, I really had to, to put in as much effort in that afterwards as I did before. You talk about dreams a lot, and Robbo and I have spoken to a lot of people over the last couple of years on the show, and we're always we're always fascinated by dreams. And something you said was that you have a love hate relationship to big dreams. Can you take me through that? Because it's, it's having achieved some amazing things in your life, and we'll talk about what's next in a second, but. How, how does a love-hate relationship with dreams occur? It really is a love-hate relationship because I hate it because I hate it for what what it is making me do. You know, it's <laughs> uh, it's like when you're it's it's like when you have to expand, when you have to grow, when you have to challenge yourself, expand your uh, you know your comfort zone, or you know. It's, it's like when you're a kid and your body is growing and it's aching, you know, it's screaming because your bones is growing and, you know, the tissue is expanding. When you're growing, it's painful. Uh, so I hate what it's making me do sometimes, you know, when I'm, I'm in that fetal position, I'm like, why do I do this? It's <laughs> painful. I hate this. But I know it's a necessary step to, to go through to come out of the other side and that side I love. And I know that if it, if it weren't that painful, I wouldn't grow as much and I wouldn't get the big reward, you know? So it's, it's really, it's a hate love relationship because I love big goals. I love what it, what it brings about uh, and who it makes you, but it's painful. Uh, it's painful and that's why I hate it so much as well, but I know it's worth it. That's the, that's the main part. I think it's worth it. It's worth the pain because it's worth the reward. Well, Maria, I think you're a great role model and ambassador for girls to challenge themselves and take this on because, um, I think it's just so inspiring what you're doing, Maria. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. No, no, just girls either. You've inspired me. I'm going to go and climb the hill out the back of my house tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, you should. That's what's so... That's actually not a hill. That's just a uh, small bump in the road, mate. Yeah, right. Sorry. It's a medium strip. Yeah. You've got to start somewhere, right? Actually, I also wanted to, like, um, just to, to connect again what you said before, it, which is so important, you know, when you, when you go... I have fears of, of failure, but also I have fears of being successful. Um, and I think that's important when you, when you, um, when you go after big goals or big dreams, you know, that it's going to include every kind of emotion and every kind of fear. And what you said before, like, um, going through depression and whatever it is, it's, you know, it's temporary. It's not going to stay that way forever. Um, you know, happy feelings is not going to stay forever and sad feelings is not going to stay forever and fear and, you know, joy and all that uh, or a sense of su success. But um, what's important and I also want to send with you, as I said to your listeners, is don't label 
the feelings, you know, don't label the fears, don't label the feelings because, you know, um, you know, what's his, I think it was Confucius who said, you know, nothing is, is bad or good, but thinking makes it so. And I, I keep reminding myself of that every day. You know, if I, if I wake up tired, I don't think that it's bad. You know, it's not good and it's not bad. It's just this. And you just keep taking another step towards where you need to go. So don't label, um, you know, emotions, adventures, whatever. Just, you know, do what makes you happy and fulfilled. I think it's very important. I think it's gold, brother. Absolute gold. Yes, again. I think... Uh I think you've you've summited Everest, you've done Kilimanjaro, and you've just scored a gold on the Mojo Radio Show. And it's going to be up there as one of your pinnacles in life. I know, Maria. I mean, we, uh, we're all celebrating. Um, we might even have to ship her a soap on a rope. Soap on a rope with some Buddha brew. Yeah, Do you like your coffee? Yeah, I love coffee. Oh. That's one of my – I can't – I can't – I love it. I give myself about two cups a day. That's my limit. Um, but I'm, I would actually love to try, you know, the bulletproof coffee. Yeah. Um, because they say that it has less of, you know, or less or no, I think toxins and things that are usually found in coffee otherwise. And it's just one of the best things, you know, climbing a mountain and you're sitting there with the best view in the whole world and you just want a cup of coffee, you know. <laughs> well, you know, with Gary and I are coffee tragics and we were actually speaking to a, um, a lady who is a professor who, de- um, who deals with um, uh, diabetes and she was actually telling us the other day that four cups of coffee a day can help stave off diabetes. So, um, or it's, there's some evidence oh. that shows that may be the case. So... Double your dose. You, you're, you're allowed four a day now. Look, one in the hand right now, guys. There you go. <laughs> there we go. It's all good. Now, Maria, we're going to let you go. Uh, before we do, Rob, I think Maria is sufficiently warmed up for the uh, – what are you going to throw? Nifty well, 90 I'm going to throw, throw a nifty, nifty 90 out there. I think she's sufficiently right. warmed up. I mean, you know, she, right she's, climbed, she's, she's climbed Everest. She's in for the marathon. No, oh, she's, she's an adventurer. I think she's, she's in for the ultimate adventure, Robbo's Nifty 90. Here we go. Yeah. Robbo's Nifty 90. No pressure? Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> Visualise 90 seconds down the track, you're coming out the other side. All right, you ready? Here we go. What's your favourite pizza topping? Uh, banana. Banana pizza. What's the last book <laughs> you read? What's the last book you read? The Art of Happiness. Probably just answered this, but tea or coffee, what's your favourite? It's a Swedish brand. Yeah. Uh... It's called Divalia. Finish this sentence. I never get tired of... Moving. Uh, what's your favourite place to read a book? In my tent. Three words that describe yourself. Curious, energetic, and loving. What's a movie you've watched more than 10 times? You know, uh, there's a very short movie. Uh, it's about 15 minutes. Uh, Emily Harrington and Adrian Ballinger climbed Golden Gate uh, on a route on El Capitan last year. And I loved it. I watched it so many times. Is that because you can't sit still for more than 15 minutes? <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's one piece of advice you would give to somebody who was chasing their own dream? Just stay curious and, and be playful about it. And last one, but the most important one as far as I'm concerned, if there was one track you could choose to play in your headphones when you reached the summit of Everest, what would it be? I lived with One Republic. <laughs> Nice. Big fan, are we? Big fan of One Republic? Yeah. Yeah, I love their songs. 
Nice. There you go. You've made it through Robbo's Nifty 90, climbing Everest, all in the same bag, really. <laughs> well, Maria, we have come to the end of the show. Thank you so much, all the way from Sweden. You're our first Swedish, full Swedish guest. Our first guest who has across the summit of Mount Everest. And I've got to say, it's been an absolute pleasure. I, I've got loads of notes here of things you've said and I uh, just wonderful things like gratitude is the highway to happiness your process for goal setting become a new version of myself I mean it's just so much I took from this show I think we really appreciate you taking the time to share with us it's been a, a delight having you on the show we'll put the details of your Instagram account and so on in the show notes where would you send people who wanted to find out more about Maria Grunberg uh, well, you can go to either, I have, you know, my Facebook, Instagram, but um, everything is linked and comes together on my website, uh, www.mariagronberg.se. Uh, and you can, you know, if you have any questions or you want to book a, a talk or I speak all around the world, or if you're just curious about Everest or adventures, uh, you can go into the website and contact me or just have a look around. Uh, so the website is, is the easiest, I think. And it's beautiful. The photography is absolutely stunning. So um, congrats on that. Well, when you've got a setting like the summit of Mount Everest, it can't be too difficult, can it? <laughs> it was the best selfie I've ever took. Yeah, I bet it is. Did you know I found out the other day that selfie is actually an Aussie word? Did you know that? That it was an Aussie that came up with the word selfie? I didn't know. There you go. Sweeping the world. Bigger than Trump. Oh, well, congrats to you guys. <laughs> it's about all we're famous for, but hey, we've got to start somewhere, right? Well, thank you, Maria. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a delight. We really, really appreciate it. It's been great. Absolutely. It was an honor. Hey, Santa, want to party? The Mojo Radio Show. I don't know why after that interview, but all of a sudden I've got a pang for meatballs while I'm sitting on some IKEA furniture. What a lady. I, I've got to say, there is a lot of gold in them, their mountains. Oh, totally. And just a lovely person. And uh, as a suggestion, folks, we talked about it in the show. But go on to Maria's Instagram account. It's beautiful. And some of the shots are literally awe-inspiring. Mm. They'll take the oxygen out of the room. Just beautiful photography. Now, we we have got a getting after it for this week. Okay, roll it. At the Mojo Radio Show, we love hearing about people who are chasing their dreams. I have a dream. People who are getting after it. Gotta have soda rock this getting after it is very special for us because it's a listener. It is a listener, and it's also about chili. <laughs> and Rodney got in touch with us and said, long-time listener, first-time writer, love the show, and the signature that he had on his email had chili bomb. Being a curious sort of guy, I had a look at it, and Chili Bomb is a subscription service to chili sauces. I have subscribed. I've got some. It is... Mate, it's fantastic. The packaging works. The product is amazing. And I've got to say, if you're not careful, it's hot. Hot. Damn hot. Hot as things on my show. I see cooked things in a little bit of crunch bar cooking. uh, It's great. But um, we thankfully have got uh, our listener on the line. Rodney, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Hi, guys. Thank you. Uh, Okay. Run it for us, mate. What's this? What's the new brand you've got? Well, it's um, it's a brand called Chili Bomb. 
Um, and essentially, it is, in a nutshell, a hot sauce subscription club. So if you're into hot sauces, you can get them delivered uh, once a quarter, three um, exciting bottles from somewhere around the world, so that you can uh, try all different kinds of hot sauces from everywhere. I mean, already. How hot are they? Well, the, the, the first box that went out last week, um, uh, extremely hot. I've had some some great feedback from everyone saying, wow, these are the hot these are hot ones. So we had to start <laughs> off with... <laughs> We had to start off with a bang, and and they certainly certainly did that. What's the fascination with this, mate? Where where did this idea come from? It's such a it's such a unique unique idea. What's the backstory? Yeah, well, I've always been into my um, chili products, um, uh, and um, always loved the hot, spicy stuff from when I was sort of a teenager. And um, in about 2011, I did a visit. Um, I was in the US on holidays with my wife, um, and we were visiting we're in louisiana so we took a road trip down to um, avery island at tabasco there and uh and it was amazing watching the production process and having a tour of the factory and then going into the gift shop and just seeing that you know we were getting shortchanged in australia there's like there was um one we get one bottle of tabasco in australia and there's there's something like eight or nine different varieties so that kind of started on a on a quest of all different kinds of hot sauces um and then i think um the you know this idea kind of really respawned itself. I was in New Zealand earlier this year and walked into the supermarket and there were, you know, eight or nine different types of hot sauces to choose from thinking we don't have that sort type of, um, you know, choice in Australia. So, yeah, let's, why can't we um, have that kind of choice and let's, um, let's explore that and, and bring it to everyone. Can I just say you had me at hello with this idea, <laughs> <laughs> but um, how hard has it been to source stuff from around the world? Like, is it just been a jump on the web and look, or is it word of mouth? How have you how have you gone about sourcing this stuff? It's it's a bit of everything. Um, it has been a lot of um, searching on the internet. I, actually, I've I've actually found it more difficult to find locally local sources than I have um, more sources from overseas. But um, I have found them, and I've have connected with a lot of local suppliers. Um, the first delivery that we sent out l- last week was all. Um, locally sourced thought I'd just kind of you know obviously a bit of a tribute to the local brands in the first box um, but as we as we move on you know there are a few distributors in Australia that are bringing in hot sauces from overseas but um, yeah um, hopefully there'll be some sort of road trip in the offing in the next few months and we can <laughs> go, <laughs> off you, the, go off to yeah go off to the US and, and source some for ourselves nice so you you must have a selection so far you personally sit down, is it you or do you have a little panel where you go through them to select out the three that you're going to send out each quarter? Is that is that kind of what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. So I've got, um, you know, uh, my wife, my son who's into it now and I've got a group of friends that come over and we sat down and we tasted, um, I think we tasted about 35 sauces on the first the first hit um and yeah some of them were pretty hot we got like halfway through the tasting and we had to stop for half an hour because (laughs) 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 it builds up after a while so you know we had plenty of yogurt on standby and we were almost drinking it in the end but um yeah that's what we did we kind of just went through and tried to trying to pick sources that were slightly you know different to each other you know some that were a bit more you know um, acidic um, or citrusy versus ones that are a bit more earthy um, and ones that sort of hit you as soon as they hit your mouth or others that sort of, you know, at first you go, oh, that's okay. It doesn't feel too yeah, bad. And then nice. a, couple, a couple of seconds later it goes, oh, uh, that's a hot one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, yeah, the stealth sneak up on you sauce. Yeah, I know that one. Well. Yes. I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Ronnie, is this a side hustle for you or have you gone all in? No, it's a side hustle for now. Um, yeah, so still still doing the full-time gig um, in, in another job. But, yeah, hopefully, you know, I've set, I've set certain milestones and things in place over the next few months to kind of, you know, so I can seriously make the call about whether, you know, when, when, I, when it becomes a full-time gig. Great. And what's the dream? Oh, the dream is, you know, to take Chili Bomb to the world. And um, then obviously, you know, once uh, for me, once you kind of have this subscription model up and running to kind of think about other interesting ideas that you can, you know, um, sell in the same way. And, and provide in the same way. What's the most fulfilling? You've had a crack at this thing. It's a side hustle. You, we spoke before we started recording. You sent your first delivery out this week, which I saw posted online, which is so cool for you, mate. I'm, I'm just stoked for you. Thank you. Thank you. What's, what's been the biggest learning for you so far or what's the thing that surprised you the most in the last number of months in putting this together? Um, I think for me it's um – the uh, the length of time things take you really have to you have to have some patience um you know obviously you're you're passionate about what you do but you have to bring everyone along on the journey with you um and then also the attention to detail you kind of if you know when you when you're thinking about these kind of things and pulling together you know all the little bits and pieces that have to go in the box you think oh three bottles that's easy but then all the other things that have to go with it and around it (laughs) yeah it's that it's that kind of attention to detail and all the last minute stuff so yes i was very glad to see that first delivery off and and had a good wave of the driver as he drove away with all those boxes so yeah so it's only up from here say you were back at the tabasco gift shop you were looking at these varieties in front of you and this thought came to mind that you could do something if you had that time over again what would be one of the most important things that you would do differently um probably uh thinking about the the broader support network um, and, and kind of engaging that broader support network um, earlier. I think, you know, you, so, you sort of sit with an idea for a while and you let it percolate and um, you build it up to a certain point and then you start engaging a network. But it's probably better off going out there and talking about this idea sooner and getting that, getting that feedback earlier. That's cool, mate. We love it. We're all in. Uh, the name of it is Chili Bomb. Where do we find it? Like how do uh, people listening who want to subscribe and get a hold of some of these boxes, what do they do? Yep, it's uh, straight to the website, um, chilibomb.com.au, and that's Chili Bomb without a B on the end. So it's um, chilibom.com.au. Good on you, mate. Well, we, uh, we think it's great. We love to hear blokes having a crack at it and, uh, and getting after it. Good mm-hmm. luck. We'll be keeping an eye on everything that goes on, but uh, – it sounds uh, it sounds awesome. Has the uptake been good? Like, were you happy with your first order? Yes, I was. I was happy, very happy with the first order. So, I lots of interest, and it wasn't just family and friends, which was which is a good thing too. It was other people getting excited about it as well. So, it's been great. Well, it sounds like you've just picked up two new subscribers as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think what's really cool for us, Robbo, is that uh, Rodney is a listener of the show who got in, co- in contact with us, and yeah. then I saw what he was doing and thought, you know what, there, there's a guy getting after it. That's that's a really good story. So um, thanks for sharing it, mate. It's been an absolute delight hearing your story and, uh, and keep the hot work going. Yes. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. And um, I have to say, I love the show, guys. So keep up the good work. It's Santa here. A very Merry Christmas and the happiest New Year. Ho, ho, ho. The Mojo Radio Show. Is there nothing better than a bit of chilli sauce on your hamburger on a Saturday night? Well, 
I I took it down to a mate of mine who's very big on chili sauces, mm. and I'm talking hot chili sauces yesterday. Yeah. And he lathered a steak sandwich Ooh. in one of the bottles. Uh, and for me, I, I couldn't talk. To him, he said, that, that's really nice. But the thing he commented on was the flavour. He said the flavours of these yeah. sauces are brilliant. And I'm just going to say to anybody listening, if you've got a guy like Robbo and you're looking for a unique Christmas present, Chili Bomb do now have an offer where you can get a deal on a subscription to give away as a Christmas present, which I'm doing. I think it's right. fantastic. Yeah. Folks, we're getting nothing out of this. I just love it as a product. Yeah, absolutely. I And, well, as I just said, you can't top chili. Put some on your Christmas ham. There's a good idea. Mm. Oh, yeah. And your Christmas cake. Christmas pudding. <laughs> chili and all up. Robbo's 20 cents worth. All right, well, in terms of innovation, I thought this was a really interesting thing to talk about this week. Amazon Go are uh, opening a new store in Europe. But the innovation is not that they're opening a store. The innovation is that there's no cashiers. So you walk into the store and say you want to buy, well, let's say hot sauce. You pick up some hot sauce. There's a sensor on the shelf that senses that you've picked up that hot sauce and you put that in your basket and whatever else you pick up. You then go to the counter... And there's no cashier there, but the computer spurts up, this is how much you owe and this is what you're buying, and you pay for it and leave. I thought that was, in terms of innovation and someone sort of going, well, how can we do this better? I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I reckon it's going to get to the point where you're going to fill up your basket, walk out the door and it'll charge your phone or your Amazon account and yeah. you won't even have to stop for the... Uh, yeah, you'd think that's next, wouldn't you? This is where all the VR and AI you know, virtual reality and artificial intelligence is going and uh, and it's a, it's going to be upon us quicker than we know it. I, I met with a guy on the weekend who works in visual merchandising for supermarkets and stuff and he's already talking about artificial intelligence where the shelf will recognise you, make recommendations based on you because you've got your phone in your pocket. And let's face it, no one ever goes anywhere without their phone. So all this stuff of customization and personalization is going to be scary as hell and it will be upon us before we know God it. God of rock! Thank you for this chance to kick ass. We are your humble servants. Please give us the power to blow people's minds with our high voltage rock. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Now let's get out there and melt some faces! The Mojo Radio Shows. Lessons in Rock. All right, so here we go. Lesson to rock. Before we do that. The Mojo Radio Show. Pop quiz, hot shot. Everybody. And John, please welcome once again Dave Grohl. Blue jean, baby, LA lady, seems just for the band. <laughs> You're gonna have to start giving me notice for these things. Okay, let's go. I did. But it's game to you. <laughs> Two seconds. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Dave Grohl. Gee whiz. No, here we go. You ready? Yeah, let's go. Blue jean baby, LA lady, seamstress for the band. Pretty eyed, pirate smile, you'll marry a music man. Ballerina, you must have seen her dancing in the sand. And now she's in me, always with me. Tiny dancer in my hand. All I can tell you is that's not Dave Grohl because I don't think Dave Grohl would sing about ballerinas, but you can have to help me out. <laughs> Mind you, they did have a little bit of Tate Fletcher there, Pirate Smile. I mean, yes. Tate Fletcher, the ultimate Pirate Life radio host, Absolutely. has got a great smile. Yeah. Uh, here's the lesson of rock. That is Dave Grohl, mm. and 
Dave Grohl was a member of a band called Nirvana, who arguably changed the face of music when the Seattle grunge thing took hold, and Nirvana probably led the charge of introducing this new style of grunge music to the world. When Nirvana disbanded, Dave Grohl went to his garage, and Dave Grohl had a dream or a vision, a wish, a desire, a passion to create his own band. So he created a demo tape. The difference with what he did is he played every instrument, put it on a demo tape, took it to a record company, and he got signed. So suddenly, Dave Grohl's band has been signed, but Dave Grohl doesn't have a band because it's just Dave Grohl. The lesson of rock is that we act the way we want to become until we become the way we act. And it's just a great example of that is that Dave Grohl wanted a band, he wanted a successful band, and he made out like he, he had a band because he could see it, he could feel it was his passion. So he did everything he could to get after it and formed in his mind his own band. He made out to the record company, this is my band. And he was acting the way that he wanted to become until he got signed, <laughs> then he had to go and find a band. And that little piece from, that little piece, Tiny Dancer, was from the movie Almost Famous. And I just thought it was a nice lesson. I really admire, we both do, right? We both admire Dave Grohl. Oh, how could you not admire Dave Grohl? Totally. Incredible musician, incredibly successful. He's smart. Some of the videos have got a real character and personality and comedic value. I mean, the guy's got talent to burn. And he certainly doesn't tolerate fools. And I just thought that when he talked about the movie, he talked about Tiny Dancer, almost famous, act the way you want to become until you become the way you act. I thought it was a really nice lesson of rock. So to take us out, here's Elton John with Tiny Dancer. Think about 2017, folks. Make it your best. We're out. Roger that. Blue jean, baby. For the band, pretty eyes, pirate smile. You marry a music man, ballerina. You must have seen her dancing in the sand. She's in me, always with me, tiny dancing in my hand. Jesus freaks out in the street, and in tickets I've
Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see GaryBurtWhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out VoodooSound.com.au and for the right voice, RealTimeCasting.com Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.